0: the Nihon Cricket pod do Welcome back, listeners. It's been a while. Sorry for that. Busy, busy times in Japan cricket. But I would not leave you stranded without a goodbye. And this isn't a goodbye. This is simply a return to form. Uh, my name is Alan Kerr. I am Head of Cricket Operations at the Japan Cricket Association. And today I have a guest who, well, let's just say her link to Japan is was brief, but uh, altogether meaningful. She has been a friend of mine for many years. She is a former assistant editor at ESPN Crick Info. She has stood on many ICC panels in her time as a journalist. And she is currently travelling around the world, checking out cricket in as many countries as she can possibly get to. Jenny Thompson, welcome onto to the Japan Cricket Podcast.
1: Hello, Alan. Thanks for having me. It's
0: my pleasure, Jen. Um, I guess we should start with where are you now?
1: I'm currently in London this morning. Morning. Oh come (laughs) on I've just come from Jersey and I'm going to Sweden and I'm dropping in to see the manager of the Philippines and also the Divas who are the Hong Kong based team and we're going to watch India versus Australia at the Oval so I feel that's kind of a world flavour.
0: Yeah you're doing all right there you're doing all right but uh you know we we obviously planned to do this interview what I don't know a month ago even longer than that five six weeks ago when you were in Japan but between That's you right. and I it's taken yeah six weeks to actually get around to it and in that time you've probably been to I don't know 10 12 more countries lost track a little bit so we should probably just start with that so you're in England at the moment You've you've just covered a little bit of Europe Um, The obvious questions are, what are you doing and why are you doing it?
1: Well, Alan, I'm going, as you said in the introduction, I'm going around the world looking at women's cricket and playing where possible. Um, And the reason that I'm doing it is because I'm very interested in how cricket um, is delivered in different countries, because... First of all, that's just interesting, right? And who wouldn't want to play cricket in as many countries as you can? That's a bit of a dream for a lot of us. But um, I'm also interested in, you know, the barriers to playing in the different countries but and the challenges, but also how they're overcome and why people play, particularly in countries that you just wouldn't expect you know like I've always been interested in the different if you will so you mentioned you know um, I used to work for Cricket Info and there I did a lot of work as well as on men's cricket I did a lot of work on women's cricket at a time when nobody else was really there were you know this is this is true there'd be world cup like world cups that Pretty much were attended by myself and Alison Mitchell, who's you know obviously the world famous um, cricket journalist. And you know it would sort of be the case of I'll be like the world print media, and you do the um, the audio and the um, video. I mean that obviously there were a few other journalists here and there, but it was. When you look at the difference within sort of 10, 15 years, how women's cricket's exploded, it's absolutely crazy. So then these days, if you want to, and I do want to, look at difference, then it's absolutely fascinating to me where cricket is played. And, you know, how how much passion that there is around the game and the lengths that women in particular um, will go to to play cricket. It's very reminiscent of, you know, growing up in England where you didn't know that there was women's cricket so much. So, um, yeah, it's it's been really fascinating so far. I've been to 12 countries and uh, I just can't wait to get to more. The more countries that I go to, the more that I want to go to. It's uh, pretty addictive and it's it's really fascinating.
0: It's funny, I always used to say that. Um, for those who who don't know my background I was a travel agent for many years before I I, I came to cricket and I always used to say whenever I went away on a trip you'd have your list of places you want to go next and you'd go on a trip and you'd be hoping you'd be ticking off one of those places but you'd actually come back with like half a dozen more countries that you want to visit just from chatting to other people who'd been to those places so the list never gets shorter so until you've been everywhere Jen you're kind of (laughs) you're kind of stuck you're committed now
1: um, I'm getting, so, I'm getting that impression. <laughs>
0: so you you've touched on a, on a on a personal level. Do you think that this trip, and I mean, obviously, as a a, a career journalist and and you know friends with broadcasters, you, you, this isn't the first podcast that you've done. I know you've been on a few. Do you think that you can have a positive impact on the game as a whole by seeing these places and, and shining a bit of a light on what's going on?
1: Absolutely. Um, my aim is to have an influence personally, if possible, um, just by doing this, because it's, it's kind of an, an unusual thing to do. And, you know, I've already had feedback as I've gone along and met some people. And, you know, they they are in, in terms of whatever your dream is, it doesn't necessarily have to be in cricket. But then... Again, like to talk on the macro level, um, absolutely. I I feel, you know, I will be in a, and I'm already getting into a pretty um, unique position of knowledge. And I'm hoping to be able to share that knowledge in order for um, improvements in the game Um, which could be, like you say, you know, shining the light, even the awareness of, um, you know, the issues that are going on in different countries. And then, you know, hopefully by the end of it, we'll be able to draw some very holistic conclusions and, you know, make some recommendations just based on what I've seen. And, you know, also as I'm going along, I... I'm meeting so many people. I love connecting people. Mark and Gladwell has this these categories of people. I'm definitely a connector. So I love putting people in touch. So if I'm in one country and they've mentioned they maybe have an issue, I might be like, you know, go and check that other country out. They, they, they've they just solved that. I'll put you in touch. You can have a conversation. So, you know, I'm interested in Beneficial Change at you know be it an individual level or a, a larger level um and in many ways, I don't know what I can do until I'm doing it if you know what I mean so this is really twelve countries in it's still at the start so there'll be a huge um a huge amount of uh, opportunities and challenges that arise still as I go along so looking forward to that but I will be writing a book at the end of this as well so you know uh, you just don't know you don't know the impact but you I I just think that by the nature of what I'm doing change has to happen somehow and Mm. uh, we'll just have to see.
0: How many more countries have you got on the list as it stands?
1: (laughs) It's just the uh, ever-increasing list Mm. so you know, like you said, it's, it's never going to stop. So it changes every day. It expands every day. So I think I've got as many as I started with. <laughs> but I've got about 15.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I mean, that that's that's the thing, right? Because you said you've done 12 already and it's still the beginning. So just to give some perspective to people out there, you, you, one of the things that we discussed uh, previously was was trying to get to all the countries with a women's T20i ranking. So we are talking 50, 60, 70 potential countries. So yeah, you're gonna be a busy girl. And I guess it's worth um, just bringing up the fact that you're doing this all off your own back, right? This is a, a self-run, self-funded project that was your own initiative. You're not doing it with the support or official backing of the ICC, which I guess puts you in quite a nice position where you can be completely independent. You can make your own judgments. You're not tied to anything. And, and when you say things like um, you wanna shine a light on all the positives, but also you wanna shine a light on the challenges, A lot of what we read about women's cricket in particular, and I understand why it is like this, is very overly positive. And look how wonderful it is that there's these girls playing cricket, but it doesn't say there's only 30 um, compared to 30,000 playing men's cricket in the same country. Um, Yes, it's great and we want to accentuate the positives, but for, for women's cricket to become a truly global game, those numbers have to get a lot, lot closer. Um and I guess that's where we see it at the top level, um, in England and Australia, particularly. Um, you know, equality of pay and and success on the field and all of that stuff is, is getting much, much better. But that doesn't exist in the vast majority of other countries. And is that something that you've you've seen so far?
1: Uh, yeah, um, that's so well summed up. I'm I'm glad you uh, said that. Thanks, Alec. Um Yes, it is something that I've seen so far, right, but I've come in with an expectation that there's going to just be no hardly any women's cricket anyway, so to have some is a great start in the first place, and you've mentioned, of course, England, India, Australia, their infrastructure and advancement and their money, right, but I'm coming from England and it wasn't that good not that long ago, right, so... Mm. I'm hopeful that the differences. these are the countries and you know the ICC are really behind women's cricket now um much more so than they ever were so if they can use the other countries and the ICC can use the model of how successful women's cricket is in the bigger countries and I think development in the other countries can be so much more rapid than for England like that took a long time but now they're there as an example women's cricket is the fastest growing sport in Asia, Asia I'm led to believe I haven't looked at the stats yet on that but you know that's that keeps getting quoted so yes you know there are there are fewer women in every country playing than the men but I think that's to be expected I don't think that's anything to be Disappointed by, and if anything, I am encouraged by the fact that you know I didn't know there was women's cricket in the Philippines, and I went, and there was just thirty five women just playing locally. There they were. So it will take time, and you know there there is disadvantage in being women in being women. You know it's hard to get media coverage. It's hard to get funding, and the actual um, be, being a player there's there's there are extra challenges you know you might drop out in terms of retention there might be you drop out to have family You drop out because you you know you're not allowed to play by your family or anything like that but I think I think we can be encouraged because to me it's all just at the beginning in in many many ways and to me coming sort of yes I've got the background in cricket but Um, I had a long time out of cricket so coming back fresh and finding all these countries playing and seeing them playing the seeing the skills in the countries is it is encouraging and they you know I think we can just be encouraged for now and then we can uh, over time make the uh, recommendations and get a little bit more critical, if you will, but back back in the day, in the early 2000s, I was very mindful of my coverage of women's cricket that people didn't know about it at all, right? So you had to... And, and so this is the parallel with today. I think you have to start with, this is going on, and isn't it great? And look at these... There's few women playing, so they are role models. This is what they're doing. You can't expect... Um, women who have no real time who have to have careers to play cricket to have you know the high levels, so you can't particularly criticize that you can just say look this is what they're doing in spite of everything else so you know it's it's a pretty good standard for what it is and let's encourage that and let's realize these are role models and people take their example and, you know, back back in the day, again, England cricket wasn't brilliant. Like, women's cricket wasn't brilliant. It was two or three and over. It was, it was pretty boring, superficially. But it wasn't that the players had no talent. It was that they... Well, it was the mindset of the game also, not to be so attacking. But at the same time, it was, you know, the women don't have that those opportunities to be professionals. And look what they can do when they do have those opportunities. So... Um, you know, I remember Jared Kimball was talking about the first time he got critical in a press conference and it really surprised, I think it was Charlotte Edwards, because she wasn't used to it. Well, I think, yeah, that at that point, that was right to go harder, but it has to all be located in, in the context.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things, isn't it? The, the, you have to boost participation first, you boost participation, you're naturally going to get a raise in standards. Um, and once you said, as you said, once people start becoming professional, you know, expectations increase and therefore people will call you into the into question, but standards will continue to increase. And and that's what being a role model is, isn't it? You have to have some people who come first. Um, I'm really interested in one of the things you mentioned right at the start about sort of the passion and the enjoyment you're seeing out on the field. Now, as someone who's been in Associate Cricket for the last 10 years and we followed associate cricket for a long time before that. Mm. I've seen, and of course there is a, um, the best word to describe this, there's an assumption, I guess, from people around the world that most associate nations are just full of expat players um, and that it's oh. Indians, Aussies, Brits um, who are taking cricket to these countries. And, and, you know, there is some truth in that um, on the men's side. But I'm going to assume that that is not the case at all in the places that you've been and that it is, you know, 100% participation or, or close to of, um, you know, Filipinos, Japanese, Malaysians, whatever. Um, is that is that the case?
1: That's largely the case, I would say. Um, and mainly though the, the um, people delivering cricket would be expats and that makes sense doesn't it because they're the people with the background in it with the passion who want to implement their passion in their new chosen country so that makes sense um and yeah I yeah I mean from the very start my first match was um a club match in Hong Kong with the Filipina team the Divas who all live in Hong Kong and the domestic helpers there and then we played hong kong cricket club um who are full of people who were born there and it was wonderful for me just to think you know here i am playing cricket with um people who are just you know from this country or from the philippines um very very lovely and then in vietnam and in fact in kawasaki you know there are some expats in, in the team but they're not from tradition some of them are not from traditional cricket countries so um you know there was Jeanette from Kawasaki she's from America then in Vietnam they were um you know there was a German player and um it was just it, it's uh it's very interesting how sport can um be such a such an easy way in for an expat but it's interesting chatting with some of the expats who say you know the the sports that we played in our country yes fine but you want to do something different when you come to a new country so cricket is definitely different and I love that it's different for people from the country and then it's different for people you know moving in so yeah uh i I also find it very interesting talking with um the administrations of various countries, obviously Japan, but also Malaysia and Turkey in terms of the strategy of growing the game and Turkey you know had had people had you know they decided that their strategy they'd heard other country ways to fast track development, but they want to go very much with people who were born in Turkey, who were from Turkey, because they, like Malaysia, like Japan, have a very long-term vision for um, cricket, and it will take longer, right? To get, you know, your people born in that country who had no background in the game to take to the game when you do that it's so much more sustainable and um turkey interestingly said to me their vision is they want in 10 years to see cricket being played on the streets and it's interesting because often it's the other way around isn't it but Mm. that that that's that's one measure of success for turkey to embed cricket in the culture and i do find that interesting as i'm going along asking you know where is cricket visible in, in in a society? Because it needs to be visible. And, you know, obviously it was lovely to come to Sarno, the cricket town and see cricket everywhere. There were um, stickers of cricket on vending machines. I saw posters in shop windows. There's obviously the hotel sun route that I stayed at that's cricket themed. And um, I got to play with Erica Oda in um, Kawasaki and then so we become friends and then you know she was saying there was she got so excited because cricket was on the television in the pub in Japan the other day you know and when like it, it, this has ever been the case with women's cricket and associate cricket so it's right in the pocket of what I'm doing but you know visibility is key isn't it in the media and you know if it's there people know about it but how are you to know about it if you can't see yeah, it Yeah,
0: you can't know? be what you can't see right that's so right what's what's the biggest learning that you've had so far if you could name one thing that you've gone yeah okay didn't I didn't expect that or I can take that and use it elsewhere what, what, what would you pinpoint
1: <sighs> Alan you asked the big questions um I think very personally because this is the biggest thing that I've ever done. And it caused me a lot of anxiety before I went. Um, I've had the biggest panic attacks of my life before I went. But my learning as I've gone along, I'm less anxious now than I've ever been in my life. It's so bizarre. So my learning is very much just to trust what I'm doing. And it feels like I'm doing the right thing, right? So I'm very, very relaxed about it. That's uh, yeah, That's good. been my biggest personal learning and um I think again also just on another level is just make no assumptions you don't know you don't know what you're gonna find and you can assume you know people's lifestyles or situations that they're in um it must be hell or awful or you know, but you can never assume how things are for people till you find and I think as humans we're very uh it's very easy for us to make assumptions and models because that's how we try and survive in the world, but then you know you've got to as a you know as a person but as a, some kind of journalist or if you're in the police, you've got to take those assumptions away and just, I think that's the whole thing, isn't it? Just I'm just rolling with it and learning as I'm going along, no assumptions. And uh, yeah, I don't know if did that answer your question?
0: No, oh, well, kind of. Um, I guess it's it's almost answered my next question as well, actually, was going to be what's, what's surprised you the most? What's been, at what point have you just gone, wow, um, I didn't see that coming? Or is that actually... The fact that you had all these anxieties before you left, and now you're like, oh, I didn't need to, I didn't need to be that anxious today. Things tend no, to work out. I,
1: I think what's great is I've been able to very quickly take any any personal worries, personal, like just completely take myself out of the equation, if you will. And I can really just focus on getting to know people and getting to know the the macro politics that affect their game and their lives. And, um, yeah, really, really get embedded very quickly into the culture and, and find out what, you know, what what's important and the challenges um, and then how they can be overcome.
0: Sport and travel, hey, Jen? Brings out the best yep. in the world, doesn't it? Um, That's it. What do you think the next part's going to hold then i mean you've you've kind of covered most of asia or a large chunk of it at least and, and europe now and then south america i think is is lined up and i'm not sure if you're heading to africa as well but what do you what, do you, what are your expectations is it just more of the same or are you and you just excited about meeting the people
1: um yeah pretty pretty much what you've said i'm going to all of the Americas I'm definitely going to Africa, I also want to go to the Middle East um at this point, my aim is to yeah pretty much more of the same in that I feel like I'm in the groove now in what I'm doing and what is important and what I need to know, and uh you know if not, I can always have some follow up questions, so my aim is to continue doing what I'm doing complete the tour as far as I can because it would never be complete I suppose just like call a line in the sand and then take a deep breath and have some huge reflections on what has been important what is important and what needs to be done from here but um you know there's as I'm going along also, you know, I've uh, set myself up as a as a sort of volunteer slash ambassador. So, you know, if anyone needs any coaching, I can do that. So I've done a few little, um, I've given a few tips and that sort of thing. But also, you know, if people need any communication um, or, uh, like assistance or anything, I can do that. So um, the... you know there's been various opportunities but the divas in particular or um they have so many exciting plans that I'm about to discuss today at the Oval so uh watch this space for what is going on with them it's very very exciting actually
0: yeah great all right well look we are on the Japan Cricket Podcast so we should probably talk a little bit more about Japan um please you had what five six days here and um yeah, we should just look back over that, I guess. You were here in the build-up to the Japan Futures League. You spent a bit of time at the home of cricket in Japan of Sano City and shouted and to the JCA. What was your sort of take-home from that? What were your impressions of, of cricket in Japan to begin with?
1: Alan, I loved my week in Japan. Thank you so much for mm-hmm. everything that you help me with your hospitality and to Alex and to everyone, everyone there, What a week. It was so superb. Um, you'll have seen comments on my social media from different boards who say that Japan are held up as, you know, the example of how to run cricket in your mm-hmm. region. And that is absolutely fair comment. I mean, of all the places to be surprised about japan was my least surprising because you're my friend so i've known for a decade of you know what's been going on there and it was really 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 very exciting to come and see absolutely everything that you're doing the cricket ground as i did mention on my socials is it's just you know it's it's uh it's a beautiful ground it's very reminiscent it's the most english style ground i've been to outside of england and that includes you know that includes australia in that it's just got that beautiful feeling of tranquility and mm. you know that hey, it's very civilized let's have a cup of tea <laughs> that sort of beautiful English summer day um it's just a beautiful location the ground is so well maintained and it's just set in amongst that those beautiful those beautiful green hills um yes I'm going off into a bit of a reverie now so I really love that um talking with Alex your CEO he's just so fabulous i just love his passion and his beliefs and his vision and his drive and um brilliant and I know uh, one of the things that you, you're very proud about for yourself that you've helped achieve is to bring a sense of belonging and understanding for people who have one Japanese parent and one non-Japanese parent because as you told me many people have never met someone else in that situation, but you've been able to provide cricket, to bring that together for that shared experience, which is absolutely lovely. And um, I really enjoyed the time in Sarno. And um, everybody who works at the JCA was so lovely and passionate as well. Absolutely love that passion. And then, just oh, I tell you as well. I absolutely love that scoreboard and the sight screen, which is. Yeah, I had been... a feeling you were
0: going to say that. I got some sad news <laughs> that. So literally, about three days after you left, one of the scoreboards fell down in the wind and uh, has mm-hmm. has has suffered some fairly serious damage. Still got three left, and then oh. on Monday, just gone, the scoreboard's oh. gone down too. The scoreboard is currently lying in a heap at the far end of the ground. Um, one of the wheels looks like it's rotten and, and come off. So, yeah, no, no. we've got a bit of a repair job on our hands with those. Um, but they do provide a lot of character, don't they? And a lot of, um, sort of, like, like you said, uh, that 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 whole feeling, that whole vibe of what the cricket grounds for, for people like us from England is should, should be like. But uh, the practical side of it and how heavy they are and the maintenance that was required is perhaps proving a little bit beyond us but um they've had five good years um we'll continue to to work on them as, as much as we can and see if we can get them back up right sorry hold on a sec what's up yeah. um so yes the school boards and the site screen they uh, they're going to need a bit of work but uh hopefully they will they will come again um what about women's cricket? Now, we talked a bit, you know, I mentioned just a minute ago that Japan's got around five, 6,000 registered players in total, but our, our women's numbers are more like, you know, 100, 150 probably um, in terms of playing sort of regular hardball cricket. Um, you had the chance to actually play in the women's league match um, down in, uh, in Kawasaki, as you mentioned. Um, what, what did you make of that? How did it rate amongst, I mean, you've been to a few more countries since you were here, so how does that, experience sit with what your expectations were for women's cricket in japan and and since you've been away how does that now compare with some of the other experiences you've had um
1: i wasn't sure the standard to expect before i came um but by the time i played in japan which was my seventh or eighth country i sort of had a feeling about what kind of standard to expect and it's you know it's actually the story of club cricket everywhere, which is you've got some r- really good players and then some developing players. So um, I wasn't like I wasn't nervous by the time that I got to Japan. I was extremely excited to play a match under lights because that had never happened before. And um, the the skills like Erica, she's it was it was a privilege to play with erica and watch her play her batting is phenomenal it was oh just that clean striking it was so beautiful to watch and then um the opposition i don't know how to say adore adore, adore. but anyway adore they had um they had some great players some like real pace so it was uh it was great and i loved every again you know cricket is not always just about skill either it's about the enjoyment um because that's why why you're doing it and everybody just was loving it and you know I I just love looking around personally I love just looking around (laughs) it's a Saturday night in Kawasaki and look women are playing cricket this is Mm. you know that is great right that's that's Not some this really not something you'd expect. So it's just great for that to be happening in itself. But the actual ground was also interesting in that we were playing on an astro turf football pitch pretty much. Um with like yeah, um sort of yeah with rolled out
0: and and yeah, yeah. Very short square boundaries. (laughs)
1: Yeah, but that you know, it it doesn't matter. It it didn't. It didn't matter. I I liked it because it's different, and it, it it doesn't matter. You're playing cricket. You're playing umpired cricket, and then that yeah. The I had been warned about the mat and the um, low bounce on it, and I still got stumped. But uh, mm-hmm. that I think that mat was uh, if it that would be my only recommendation if something could be done and not just because Mm -hmm. I got out if something could be done about that map but other than that it doesn't matter the players there explain the challenges of um, lack of facilities available for cricket lack of um, land available and you know that's when you get ingenious and inventive isn't it and you just adapt and you do what you can and that was what had happened there and everyone had
0: Yeah, one of the challenges for us, you know, grounds within Tokyo, particularly for for women's cricket, you know, you try and get players, you want to make it as accessible as possible. And the reality is there's just not many places to play within Tokyo. And when you're trying to reach a new audience, it's quite a big ask for them to travel a couple of hours on the weekends to to play in Sano. Um, So you have to get them playing somewhere first, and then the ones who enjoy it the most, have the most talent, whatever, they, they become more committed and more willing to travel, and they come, hopefully come here and they have a really positive experience and we're trying to play more cricket more women's cricket here um this year we're certainly doing a lot more than we have done in the past we had the first J Bash match uh, a couple of weeks ago we've got the fan women's premier league running for the first time this year we've got 10 players coming from overseas to join that so that's going to um hopefully raise the standard and get a bit of a profile up as well women from south africa from hong kong from australia so that should be pretty good um that's brilliant and and yeah just the opportunity to play on the turf as well and to play um you Know on, on full size grounds because, as you say, playing on a slightly funny size grounds, for the, for the women's players who then go into tournaments and they play the vast all, all of their league cricket, at least, has been played on the funny size ground. They don't know the fielding positions right because <laughs> they, they, they don't have the angles. Um, and so that's that was something, um, that, that Dino, who's making the rustling sound you can hear in the background, uh, was quite keen to to fix in his uh, second year in the uh coach coaching the women's team. So Yeah, looking to do a bit more of that, and hopefully give them a better chance to perform. And and you mentioned Erica Oda. You know, she went off to Hong Kong, not Hong Kong. She went off to China. Uh, We were all there a couple Mm -hmm. of weeks ago for the Women's East Asia Cup, and she was pretty much the leading batter in in the tournament. She didn't. She she wasn't quite the leading run scorer because we played a game less in the end, but her average was almost 15 runs better than anyone else. Um, And she had the highest individual score of the tournament as well by striking 46 in one of the games. So. Desperately close to a made an international half century. But she's someone who just knows her game really well now. she only picked up the sport at, you know, 30, 31. Um, and here she is now at 36 or so, I think. Um, knows her game so well and and is able to sort of be a real leader in the group. So it's been really fantastic. it's been um watching players like that come through and drive other people as well. You know, she's formed her own club. Um, she's, you know, driving participation. Um and the more people like that that you have in the sport, yeah. taking it forward, the the faster you're gonna see the sport grow. But, you know, as an association, there's only so much we can do. We need sort of the foot soldiers, if you like. And and hopefully what you're that's doing is you're actually helping to um, identify some of those people and, and you know, through a connection with you by meeting them, they then get to see that connection with the rest of the world that they can have too. And that's what sport is all about, mm-hmm. right? And, when we take mm-hmm. players and teams overseas we want them to make friends with the other teams and the opposition and um we want cricket to be a game that opens doors because japanese sport is quite insular um you know they play a lot of baseball but they only play against each other um you know they 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 are quite the opportunities to actually um mix with other um cultures that are quite restricted whereas cricket that's definitely the the biggest thing that we have and it's something that we we definitely are keen to celebrate that sort of diversity in the sport anyway i'm getting carried away onto the jca's sort of stuff um i guess uh the last question i had specifically on your trip was you may have covered this a little bit already is this has your opinion on the state of the game worldwide changed since you started this journey um i didn't really
1: I don't really have a huge opinion before I started, actually. <laughs> which is, it's it's a good position to come from. Mm. Um, so then I can just be very open-minded because I don't have an opinion. Um, but I tell you one thing, as we've been talking as well, that's really occurred to me is, um, the grass wickets and the hard wickets. It's uh, it's a massive thing. So I've just been in Jersey, and because teams don't play on grass they had the tournament on hard wicket which I thought was lovely and equitable but Jersey found that something of a disadvantage because they always play on grass so mm. you know I I play in Adelaide on grass on a Sunday and hard wicket on a Monday and I and then I train grass or hard wicket and it's I see it every week how different that is and you know Indonesia do not have any grass grass cricket opportunity whatsoever that's something that is a thing I would love to change but how hard is that when it's so expensive and you need the expertise in the groundskeeping of it I mean you know all of this so any country that has um, grass facilities that is well-maintained, such as Japan, is very commendable, but it's also very lucky for those players because it it is a completely different game, actually, I think. But you understand the challenges and how hard it is to um, provide that. So in an ideal world, everyone would play on grass.
0: Yeah, one of the things I hope that we can do or we might see in the coming years is that you know, it might be for years, we've touched on this already, it's the um the coaches, the, the drivers tend to be people from cricket playing nations, tend to be expats mm. who've who have moved and they're the ones sort of leading the charge. And actually I, I think that in the future perhaps we'll see the biggest contributor might be those groundspeople, the people who are, you know, learning that trade at, at 20, 21, 22. Um, they might well end up in their mid to late 20s going to work in associate nations and helping develop pitches there rather than just working at a local club in England or Australia or somewhere like that where that those jobs will always be there and they can always come back whereas over in a country like Japan or you know, we don't have a full-time groundsman at the moment um we're, we're working off sort of our own staff kind of learning on the hoof and um getting consultants in we've got a consultant over from South Africa right now actually but um you know there is definitely opportunity there for people to get that that experience that that sort of uh life experience of living in a different country and contributing to cricket you know that's uh it's a bigger way to spend your time i reckon um all right jen look guy this we, we've been been going for a while and you've obviously got a test match to get to in in a few hours so i always finish my podcast with a series of questions i've had to tailor them slightly for you because um <laughs> 're uh you're you're somewhat unique in terms of um I guess but uh these are all cricket specific questions you don't have to think about them too much whatever first comes into your head um okay but we'll, we'll start off with the best player you've ever played with or against oh
1: uh probably Karen Rawlton. uh she was my First captain in club cricket in Australia. And I just remember she was the current captain of Australia at the time. And I just remember standing at the other end. We put on, like, for example, one match we put on 46. I think I contributed six. Um, and just to hear that ball fizz past it here when she absolutely cracked it was was just privilege, brilliant.
0: What's the best thing you've ever learned from a coach?
1: The best thing I ever learned from a coach was one piece of advice. Uh, and he said to me, he said, only use the advice that works for you. And ironically, that was the only piece of advice that he gave me that worked for me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's totally true. And then the other one was not from a coach. It was from Claire Taylor, and who just said, always watch the ball like watch the ball onto your bat, watch the ball into your hands when you're fielding and it's so true my concentration I, my I, my attention wanders a bit but when i remember that it does it makes the difference
0: A favorite shot
1: ah favorite shot um when i was learning we didn't have any lofted drives so uh i've I've been trying to learn those and that is my favorite shot when I can play them, but my most productive shot is the pull shot to the point where back in my club, some of my young teammates said to me, damning me with faint phrase, they said, Jenny, can you teach us your shot? (laughs) I said, what about all my other ones? What
0: about all my other ones? (laughs) Um, Yeah. What's your first thought upon being dismissed?
1: Oh. oh, I don't know. I don't know that I think of anything.
0: Just blank mind, red mist.
1: That's it, yeah.
0: Career highlight? Doesn't have to be on field.
1: Uh, well, the, one of the best days of my life was just playing in an organised cricket match at school with the boys. I was like, my name is in a school book. <laughs> 'Cause that was never an opportunity when I was younger that I knew about. And that you know, that that was probably probably the best thing ever because it then opened everything else up.
0: Yeah, cool. Okay. Is there any um is there any loss that you can remember that's particularly great? Uh yes. Um <laughs> it was the
1: was it the It was either the quarterfinal or the semifinal of the British Uni's competition and Leeds. We'd gone up to Durham and we were that short and I went to play my favourite pool shot. I was on Mm. 70 odd and played a course at LBW and that day I remember the disappointment uh of getting out immediately and I just cried in the changing room because this Leeds team was essentially three cricketers and then players who were not particularly people from team sport but they'd been, you know, attracted to try something new and, you know, I I was the captain and then and I always made sure and I still make sure that people have fun and are included in cricket because that's what it's all about to me. it really is um so we'd had this extraordinary run of team team it was the team spirit and everything, and then just the disappointment I mean, you know we did much better than anyone had thought, but just you know when you have that dream that you can go so far it's so good but uh, also one day um, we were playing we used to play as Lancashire and Cheshire back in the day and then the ECB took us over and wanted to replicate the men's structure much more which made sense so we were asked uh, we were offered as Lancashire and Cheshire to play for whichever county we wanted to and I picked Cheshire because that's where i'm from even though i could see all the money and the opportunities were going for lancashire but that i was like it was in my heart for cheshire and then lancashire demoted us on the last day of the county championship and that was so disappointing but actually what was more disappointing was lancashire's attitude they were so happy to do it and they played <laughs> a uh they played mel which was a Spice Girl? Well, anyway, one of those Spice Girls song. You're going down over the um, stereo that they'd specifically wow. bought, and I thought that is the poorest sportsmanship I've ever seen in my life. And you know, when I think about it now, my disappointment is more in Lancashire than the fact that Cheshire got demoted because. That you know you don't you don't you don't do that and like in women's cricket like I know that all the associate countries even are friends with each other and they help each other and um, and that used to be the case in county but that stuck out as like very poor but just on that note in Jersey Germany's kit didn't turn up for days so the other teams were quickly helping them and lending them and I heard Turkey turned up without. Stumps and bottle holders, so Jersey gave them all the equipment that they needed, and you know that's the spirit that we play cricket in, and that's um that's overall what it's more like but yeah those are the those are the two disappointments that stick out for me.
0: It's funny whenever I ask that question there's always people always have very visceral answers, and I often think we actually. Remember the games that we lose and we hated losing more than we in the games that we enjoyed winning? Um, yes. What's your favourite format of the game to play and to watch?
1: I love 2020 to play. Uh, but I've, yeah, it's a concentration thing these days. I don't think I could last 40 or 50 overs um, to watch. It's test cricket, hands down absolutely absolutely love it um at the ground probably prefer it watching at home actually you know because then you've got the tv commentary on and you don't particularly you know on a summer's day and you've got like the windows open and the breeze coming through and,
0: and you can you, just in and you out. Almost That's to,
1: yeah you don't have to watch it you can feel it that's mm. what test cricket is or even just I love particularly in Australia driving around um with the ABC commentary on going on a road trip in Australia just listening to the cricket and you're just like this is summer how good is this and again you don't have to well I mean you you're almost more connected when it's on the radio because you're sort of drawn into it but and your mind is forced to concentrate and listen to it but um, and formulate the um, imaginings of it, but so you're more engaged. But you know, again, you don't even have to know because you can feel from the commentary how the cricket's being uh delivered, and it's the yeah, best, and it's the ebbs and the flows, you know. Mm. It's that real it's those, those
0: voices, those voices, yes, those yeah. commentators—they're very much. They, they stay with you, don't they? It's just the sound of summer and whatever. Um, yes. Do you have a favourite teammate?
1: I love currently. I love batting with um, Mel Acres. She's my opening um, bat partner in both um, grass and um, hard wicket cricket in Australia. And Mel is the most competitive person I have ever met in terms of she drives herself super hard she's so fair she's so lovely and she's so modest and she just wins all the league trophies this year (laughs) she there were the presentations for both um leagues were on at the same night unfortunately and she couldn't be in both places to pick her best player of the top tournament trophy up So I had to pick up the other one for her, but she's a real example to me of someone who is just drives herself to be the best that she can. And it does inspire me. And she, she absolutely loves training. It's her favorite day of the week. I So yeah, she's, she's brilliant. You know, we all look look to Mel as an example of, you know, um, do your best and you'll get, Your best
0: results. Yeah, great. Okay, last one. Do you have one innings or bowling performance played by somebody else that you wish you could have played yourself?
1: (sighs) The... Okay. Not... I don't... (sighs) I don't ever put myself in that position because i I'm very aware of my own limitations, but the innings that um I admire and it, because of how well crafted that it was, but also it was a seminal moment in the women's game was Claire Taylor's knock for England against Australia in the semi final of the T20 World Cup at the oval in 2009 and what had happened that day this is uh, <laughs> this is interesting um the media had sent their mail pretty much but you know that's a tautology journalists down to cover that that day um, because there was a men's match afterwards but they thought well while England are there we may as well you know you, you can get a sort of two for one really so I sat down um, in this media I was like wow look at all these people watching women's cricket this is unusual and all the guys to wind me up because they know how to wind me up just looked at me and they went Tomo can the girls hit it off the square and you know I knew they were goading me so I said oh we'll just see shall we because I saw Karen Bolton striding to the crease and she smacked this set the tone she smacked a um flat six through square and the guys I could see they were super impressed but then Claire came in for England obviously and masterminded and that's very her because she's so (laughs) she's one of the most formidable brains ever she's you know management consultant maths at Oxford and she masterminded this chase which just left everybody speechless and to me that was the turning point of appreciation of women's cricket in England again now in some ways Most of these people would not have seen women's cricket for so many years that they had no idea that it had got so good. But just to see what Claire did that day, I remember actually Andrew Miller from Crick Info, my old colleague, he turned to me and said, wow, he said, that was the best innings of the tournament. And then he said, men's or women's? And I said, yes, yes, you're right, Andrew, you're right you are you are right and you know that was such such a turning turning point moment that that is just a masterful innings in my mind.
0: It's a good one. I like it. It's um it's great to see gem the uh the enthusiasm the um you know the the drive that you've got that this this journey is obviously bringing you on you said you'd had a a fair period away from the game um it's good to to have you back and to be Seeing okay. you back, um, yeah, doing doing what you love, doing what you're great at. And, you know, long may the journey continue. I'm sure we're all very keen to see how the, uh, you know, the rest of the trip unfolds. Where can everyone find you on social media?
1: Okay, so I'm very limited at the moment. I'm very exclusive. I'm on <laughs> Facebook and Instagram, Her World Cricket Tour. And, you know, any on any good podcast. So here I am today. <laughs>
0: I will um, I will stick the links to the Facebook and Instagram pages in the show notes for anyone who Thank reads you. those. Um, and I know you said you're in London at the moment and then you said you're off to Sweden next.
1: Sweden, yes. I've got four matches in three days.
0: So okay. that's
1: very exciting because um, I've been missing a bit of cricket recently. I've had a few nets then, and an indoor match in Adelaide. Then I'm going to Norway for a few days and there's a tournament there which is exciting and then I'm going to Latvia and Estonia and Finland then back to England then I'm going to Greece and having a day trip to Albania for the day and then I'll just see because things keep changing um, so my it's TBC there's lots more going on then America is definitely in September.
0: Great I play cricket in Latvia I wrote about it for Cricket Info. You might you might remember back in goodness two thousand and seven, maybe I think. Yeah, I went and played in the Ice Cricket World Cup uh, in in Riga. Um, yeah, played on an ice rink. It was hilarious. If you if you Certainly. search for it, you you will find it. Uh, one of my one of my handful of articles on Cricket Info. It's there. So, yes, it might be a little bit warmer when by the time you get there. We were there in February, I think it was freezing. Oh,
1: goodness, but, May. So, what temperature was
0: it? Oh, yeah, cold. Just maybe, maybe I'm getting myself confused. So I went to Lithuania in February and it was minus 28 one day, but oh. that was a holiday. That wasn't a cricket trip. Lithuania okay. and uh, and Latvia are next to each other. We'll have to find the quick info article. I have a date on it. But yes,
1: yeah, fun,
0: fun country, great place. Eastern Europe's wonderful. Look, Jen, safe travels enjoy it and uh yeah we will look forward to seeing where we see you next
1: yes thank you and thanks again so much to yourself for helping me when I was considering doing this and I said to you Alan I've got a crazy cricket idea and I knew subconsciously I wanted to be talked into it because for people who don't know you were part of an expedition who went to Everest to set a Guinness World Record for the highest match of cricket in the world and then you wrote a book about it which I edited so thank you for your support and ideas and advice in coming up with this idea and putting it into motion and also thank you very much to yourself and the JCA for all of your hospitality while I was there. I had a great time and it's just brilliant to see Japan cricket. And already, you know, your reputation is well known, but um, it's just gonna get keep getting better. So thank you again.
0: It's our pleasure. Thanks Jen, great having you on.